Yo guys, welcome back to Through the Bucket. My name is Tyler, I'm joined by Adrian, and today we're going to break down the Eastern and Western Conference Finals and all things basketball. Adrian, how are you doing today? Nothing much, man. It's all going good. I'm just getting ready to dive into this. Yes, sir. We had to read this intro about 1,500 times because for some reason I can't speak, but it's okay. It's all good. It's all love. So I guess I like to kick things off. I know like both of us are Heat fans. Bro, how are we looking? I'm going to say this is a topic I've been dying to talk about with the fact that we actually stunned probably the entire basketball world by beating the Bucks. Not just beating them in general, but beating them in five. Like I feel like we were written off from the moment that matchup was set. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we we're a five seed, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and we're playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, yeah, this is the first time I believe. I don't remember since when it might be in history uh, that a uh, a one and a two seed both fail to make the conference finals out of the East. Yeah, that was crazy. So, I mean, talking about the uh, three and the five seed now, now that neither one of them are atop, like, you know, a dominator in the East, how do you feel about the series going on right now? It's 2-1. So, I mean, I don't know. I also saw a stat where it talks about that the Celtics in crunch time, which is the last two, three minutes of the game, this whole series, they've been up 75% of that time. But we're up to one. That's really interesting. Because if you remember the two games that we won, and when I say we, I'm referring to the Heat, we were down by double digits. Both games. Both games. And we came back, you know, second half, great basketball. Just took off. It rises the question of, we're a good team. I believe in our team since, you know, this is my favorite team. But biased aside, realistically, are we the better team? Because I personally don't believe we are, but we have this like it, 04 Pistons mentality yeah. of we're just going to outwork you. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. So when you ask for the better team, if you're looking talent wise, I believe that we're not. Yeah, on, on paper, I don't think we can make an argument. Yeah, I mean, that that that's just clear. But if you put it down to the grit and the grind, 100%, we have more players that are willing to put everything on the line in the first quarter. You know what I mean? And, like, you see it definitely with our second-half basketball. But, yeah, like, when it comes down to the grit and the grind, like, if you look at Jimmy Butler, he's been going absolutely berserk in the fourth quarter. Like, he turns into the best player on the court by far, knocking down every shot. Stuff that looks absolutely ridiculous, like a 2K animation will go in. It, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, do you think that the grit and that, that heat mentality, that heat culture, as they always say, like, hashtag heat culture, do you think that's enough to keep us like going? Because I mean, we're 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 stealing these games from them essentially. Because on paper, on the box score, probably if you watch the first thirty minutes of each game, they look like they're the better team. Oh yeah. So I mean, do you think moving forward, do you think that two one was just kind of like we're getting lucky, or do you realistically see us kind of moving out of there? So if you ask me this question prior to the Buck series. I would say that grit and grind will get us nowhere. But seeing that series and how we played throughout the whole series, that grit and grind is what got us through that series, in my opinion. So it's like, will that continue and will that fire still stay hot? That I'm not sure of, right? Because now we're coming off a loss. You know, mentality might be a little bit different. It might shift a little bit. I hope not. Um, you know that Jimmy Butler is always in the right headspace as far as, you know, game time. But then you look at like Tyler Hero, who's been playing phenomenal. Like People have to understand he's also just a rookie, right? So if he goes and makes a mistake, right? That might, it could be game costing or whatever, but in reality, he's able to make those mistakes. He's a rookie, it's expected of him, but he's been carrying such a big role in the heat that it's almost like he's playing as if he's a vet. People forget that he's 20 years old. Yeah, he's super young. He's the first player born in the 2000s to make it to the uh, conference finals. Fun and fact. That's crazy. So, I mean, yeah, I feel like people, I feel like basketball fans definitely... I'll, I'll actually, I'll, I'll take that statement back. Not just basketball fans, all sports fans, their expectations grow so exponentially fast. Yes. It's like you see a player have one good game, that's it. That's their standard. If they don't meet Which that is standard, so it's like, that's it. That's when the slandering immediately starts. Yeah, which and, and that's why I mentioned that because if you looked at Tyler Hero throughout regular, like the regular season stuff, he wasn't the same that he is right now. And he, no, he, files. he was still good, but he was still good, but he was not the Tyler he, Hero that we expected. If he played now. like this in the regular season, he would have taken Kendrick Nunn's spot. For yeah, a rookie, we have, for we have, of the year we have a rookie of the year uh, contender who's riding revenge. 
right? And then you see Tyler Hero out here, you know, dropping 20 or whatever, um, you know, hitting some some nice clutch threes, you know, kind of taking over the game in some points where he looks like he's he's the best player on the court. So to kind of continue attacking the, the topic of the Heat and the Celtics Eastern Conference Finals before we hop over to the West, let's hit on that Kendrick Nunn topic right there of, where do you think his future stands? I mean, regular season, he was, I, I think by the voting, he finished second in Rookie of the Year voting. So, I mean, you see what he's become now in the playoffs, and it's almost like he's a shell of himself. How do you think that's going to continue to go with people like Marcus Smart pestering him when he comes off the bench? Definitely. I mean, um, props to Marcus Smart. I, I love his mentality. Um even though he's on the Celtics, he is still very enjoyable to watch. You know, great defensive player. I will never knock Marcus Smart's game. He, you know, he, he goes out there and plays 120% all the time. Um, but as far as Kendrick Nunn goes, I am a Kendrick Nunn fan personally. Like, as he set aside, I'm a fan of him, of, of him as a player. Um, but something I feel like had to have happened between him and Swolstra. Because if you saw kind of like throughout the playoffs as a whole, his minutes decreased a lot. So, so did his... So did his efficiency in play, though. A hundred percent. He's not playing like well. He did re- like well at all, and w- which was a perfect opportunity for Tyler Hero to step up and prove his name. You know what I mean? So if Kendrick Nunn was almost playing good as if he was playing in the regular season, we won't, we wouldn't see that Tyler Hero in my right, right now. I think that's the thing I love most about this Heat team is that it has a future, and yeah. I feel like. People are talking about the grit and the defensive grind this team has. Because, I mean, this team doesn't really have a whole offensive identity besides Jimmy Butler and now Bam Adebayo, who's just come out of nowhere as a yeah, essential superstar. Second year. So, I mean, this team offensively lacks an identity. I will say that. It's just gritty. Yeah. So, I mean, like, people don't take into account that you will, like, you will through the years lose that grit. Eventually, But yeah, now we have that young core... That's just going to replace it. But to kind of reach on the Celtics, hit on Marcus Smart, and he's kind of that X factor that he can disrupt Goran, uh, Kendrick Nunn. He can disrupt Tyler Hero. They can even switch on switch him on to uh, Jimmy Butler if they feel free to. Definitely. But I feel like the X factor for them, besides Marcus Smart, I feel like it comes down to not Gordon Hayward because they're going to use him kind of as like I, my personal opinion a on-paper weapon. He's just supposed to look like he's going to give you points. But I feel like it really does come down to Kemba Walker's play. I agree I with the like, statement. I feel like if he plays bad, I feel like the Heat's chances increase a lot. But I feel like if Kemba goes back to Charlotte, which is a little difficult to do when you have ball-dominant players like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, but if Kemba Walker can go back to that Charlotte form, even as a Heat fan... It's going to be a difficult time to probably even take that team to seven. I, I agree with you on that. And we haven't really seen that yet, which is why, you know, it's a 2-1 series. And um, you asked me earlier what I think of Kendrick Nunn's future. I honestly think that we're that the Heat will be looking to get rid of him soon, um, just based on what's happening here in the playoffs. I could be wrong, but it seems like something's off in that situation. But the other uh, going back to the Celtics, what I loved is after that game two loss, the Heat caused such a problem with the Celtics that there was an argument between Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, and they had to be actually separated. So it's like that kind of gives me hope that we're in their head, but also that hey, that now, tension can also build them stronger together. But I say, I mean, I feel like Heat fans were looking at that game two aftermath, and they were having that same mindset you did, that where they were kind of joyous to see that the team was like falling apart in a sense, that their chemistry was falling apart. But I mean, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown afterwards had their uh, pressers. And they both had like affirming, like affirming uh, pressers afterwards, kind of saying that this team's a brotherhood. And I mean, they bounced back in game three. So, I mean, definitely they had the argument, which I feel like to Heat fans and to whoever is not rooting for the Celtics was a good sign. But I feel like they talked their talk about how that's not the end of them. And I mean, they took game three, which was walking the walk. So I yeah. feel like I don't know. I feel like that. That could have added some fuel. Maybe it could have pissed some people off in that locker room. And they have a mission. They have a, they have a statement to say. Because, I mean... So you think it made them stronger as a team? I would personally say so, yeah. They shared the ball. They were all hitting shots. I mean, maybe it was a good game. But they looked like they were the Celtics in the regular season. The games that we were stealing from them, they were playing a lot of iso ball. They weren't passing the ball around. Marcus Smart wasn't really getting a whole lot involved besides game one in the first half. So, I mean, I feel like they're finding their groove now that they had that bump, now that they had that 
like head like head confrontation because i feel like in like it's like chemistry with like your brothers you yeah. know it's like you guys got to butt heads sometimes to just get the greater good yeah 100 percent. i mean in any sport um even when we play pickup basketball you know how it goes it always gets a little heated on the court people are competitive right people want the best especially when you're in a high tense situation like the eastern conference finals right mm-hmm. winner goes uh, winner goes on to the the finals loser goes home it's like do you really want to say hey i put in all this work all season i've been grinding and then you know you come up short on the game it's very frustrating especially like when you're looking at the heat like oh they're a five seed right yeah i bet i bet certain celtics players take it as disrespect to the fact that they're losing to such a low seed definitely but you know uh for me being a heat fan i think it's phenomenal what we're doing as a five seed and i think a lot of people will respect what we're doing as a five seed but yeah i mean if i was in that situation where i was on the celtics i'd be pissed you know to go out there losing to a five seed when you when you know or you feel that like you're better than this team right but you're just not showing it and that's where the confrontation is going to come in right it's gonna be like hey adrian you know you're not doing this right hey look you need to step this up right and people will take offense, you know, if you're, if you're starting to nitpick and call, pe- call people out on, on, on the wrongs. The heads start budding once the fingers start pointing. A hundred percent. And, you know, um, some of the people on the Celtics, you you don't have really a set superstar unless you want to say Jason Tatum. Like you, you can also argue the fact that he's too young to be a superstar. Exactly. So you, you really just have well-rounded players all together that individually on their own could be a superstar. So it's like your their mentality or their ego could get in the way of their of them playing or sharing the ball or whatever. It's very hard to deal with three people that were used to being the sole guy on their team with Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, and Jason Tatum, and then you add Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown to that mix. It's tough. So it's a lot. It's a lot of it's a lot of star power that Brad that Brad Steven has to um, deal with. Yeah, but. I feel like that confrontation kind of got them like a like a slap to the face, like a reality yeah. check. Like, yo, we're not unstoppable. Like, this team will beat us if we're lazy. Yeah. And I feel like that's where we saw the change in game three. I feel like it was their intensity. Like, they never let off the throttle. Do you think that will carry on throughout the series? I believe it will carry on, but I feel like the moment the Heat lose, it's when they wake up as well. So I feel like it's when the series is really going to get interesting. Game and I four. feel like this game four that's tonight is going to determine a lot. And it's going to say a lot about who wants this more. I agree. With these you. are both teams that I feel like are going to engage a gritty mindset. Because there's Marcus Smart, Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, Daniel Tice, um, Jalen Brown. People that aren't scared to get scrappy. People that aren't scared to get in your face and get a win. So, I mean, this series could get very, very good. Uh, yeah, like I totally agree with you. Game four is going to be phenomenal. Um, do you have any predictions on what you think is going to happen? For me personally, I think Marcus Smart will be will have his best game of the series um, just because he's coming off of that, you know, kind of heated argument or whatever. He wants to prove himself as a player. He's got something to prove. Yeah. He's, got, he's got a chip on his shoulder. 100%. So, I think that we're going to see him play absolutely insane defense, and it's going to be a little tough for us, you know, to get past such a good defender. But luckily, there's five players on the court, so... I think the Heat will come out on top, personally, but it'll be a very, very close tight game. I have a feeling that the, I want to say the Heat have something to prove again, that the Heat are being knocked off the, the moment they lose. So I want to say they win. And I think that's, yeah, I'll, I'll say that the Heat probably steal this in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, be tight. It's going to be tight the whole way through. No way this game uh, anyone pulls away. Yeah, hundred percent. Before going over to the West, um, you're, you you mentioned uh Gordon Hayward a little a little while back. He uh he mentioned that he was gonna stay in the bubble instead of leaving for the birth of his child. How do you feel about that? Personally, I mean, you could also probably say the same thing about Alex Caruso. I believe not going to. I believe it's his sister's wedding. Yeah, but that's a wedding, so it's like. But I mean, it's a, it's another it's another family obligation. I mean, true. I mean, wedding. I know I know a wedding isn't the same as the birth of your child. But I feel like as a parent, he's already, like, he's already had three kids. Yeah, like, what, what's like, the fourth? You know, I feel like <laughs> I feel like personally, what he his mindset was was that like he's been through this process to where I don't know if it's like as special. It might sound super super rude to say that yeah, like that, but, but I feel like he probably just thought. The, like the Eastern Conference Finals were more important than seeing his fourth child being born, which I mean, I don't know. As a father, like I'm not a father, so I can't really say that. But hypothetically, or like in the air, I mean, I would imagine that I would want to be there for my child yeah. being born. One or ten. Isn't he finally having a son though? Isn't this his first son? 
I don't really follow that. I like, can't remember much, if it's but... if it's another girl. I don't blame him because he's had all girls. And there's that viral video where uh, they did like the unveiling. Of, this is like a couple years ago of like of like the sex of the child, and it was all pink balloons. And Gordon Hayward just like yay, and then and then his daughter ran up and went, "Daddy, are you happy?" Daddy's always happy, and that stuff was so funny. Like he just looked defeated that he was having another daughter. I mean, yeah, that's totally a point to bring up that maybe he just doesn't see it as as special as he did maybe <laughs> with the first daughter but i don't know if I feel this is like- his first son though like me personally like i understand that basketball is your job and like you know like it's a huge opportunity but like being a father child. being a father is forever you know i feel like a father comes first 100 percent. i agree with that statement because like basketball is temporary a father is forever in my opinion so it's like for me it's like i would i would personally leave to go see the birth of my child what would you do let us say my insight on why he did it, maybe he just didn't care. But me personally, like I said, like hypothetically, if that was my child one or ten, I'm gonna be there. Like, you know, yeah. like it'd be kinda it'd be kinda excuse my language, it'd be kinda dick if like you were like talking to your child or something like that and they were you were talking to one child about their like birth and then like the other one is just like, Oh yeah, I just didn't go. <laughs> like but if the Celtics make it to the finals and take it home, I mean, that's a heck of a story. I mean, yeah, it'll be that like Mamba mentality, like no, no, no anything else besides work, besides the mission at hand, which I mean, I don't really know if Gordon Hayward has, I don't want to say the right, but the, the qualified like role, he's not even a top three scoring option on that Celtics team to really have that. But I mean, which, Alex which is Caruso. what shocked me is that he said he was staying at the bubble for that. And I'm like, huh, like you're I not mean, really even doing much. It is like Alex Caruso though. Alex Caruso is like that spark plug off the bench. So yeah. you could say that maybe why didn't he just go see his sister at the wedding? Yeah. I don't, I don't blame Alex. So screw a wedding <laughs> personally, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's just, I feel like that's just them prioritizing their job. Like, I mean, them maybe thinking at the end of the day, it is just work, but I don't know, me myself, I'd be there. Yeah, especially like um, Alex Caruso, you know, he's still fighting for it. So he's trying to get like a, you know, decent contract or whatever. So like, he has something to prove as far as longevity wise. Yeah. Whereas Gordon Hayward, he's established. You know what I mean? There's not really anything that he can do here in this moment that's going to make him more of a wanted player, if that makes sense. No, that's 100%. Like right, right there. Like yeah. He's, I say he's 30 probably now. Yeah. I mean, he's faced some injuries. He already had his time as his best, as, a, as the best player on a team. But I mean, you mentioned the Celtics playing somebody in the West. So now that kind of makes me think, who do you think pulls this series off, Heat or Celtics? Who do we see go to the bubble finals? So when I mentioned them going to the finals, it was a big if, <laughs> if they make the finals. Personally, I say the Heat pull this off, which will, which will make me ecstatic. Um, I say Heat win this series. It's going to be close. I say they do it in either six or seven, um, and they'll be versing most, most likely the Lakers. About to say, um, it's very hard to just kind of give a confident answer. I feel like yeah, if, I agree. You, if you give one answer, there is a lot you can bring up for the other. 100%. Um, if I were to give you a, this prediction before games one through three, I would probably say Celtics in seven. I agree. But now that we are up to one and we kind of have the identity of the want is more on our side, I'm going to say Heat seven. And that does bring us to now the Western Conference Finals with the Nuggets and the Lakers. I mean, before we get into any predictions there, how do you feel about that Anthony Davis game winner? I loved it. That that, that was awesome. And of course, they're in the Mama jerseys. You know, I don't think they've lost yet wearing those those jerseys. And I don't think they ever will, honestly. You know, um, shout out to Kobe. Rest in peace. As basketball fans, it's, it's still a hard loss to even, you know, bring up his name. Because of how great of a player he was on the court, but like when when they put on those jerseys, they're a different Lakers team. Like you, you can see it, you know, um, and and that's really special and really really fun to watch as a basketball fan, you know. Um, and that game winner by Anthony Davis was phenomenal. You know, it's perfect. There was nothing that he could have done better, you know, to create the opportunity right there at the buzzer. But I say he drew his uh, he drew his man off the screen and then just set up his shot and, and took it. I mean, it wasn't the most open shot. If you do it, watch it, that replay, yeah, it wasn't. Nikola Jokic is contesting that shot fairly well. Yeah, it's just a good defense gets beat by better offense. And there, there was really like like literally like watching that play over and over again. There was nothing else you could have done better to create a better opportunity, in my opinion. 
that was the best option. So that leads me to ask you, with Anthony Davis hitting that shot, a lot of fans took to social media and saying that Anthony Davis is carrying LeBron. This isn't LeBron's team. How do you feel about that with, yeah. so, with them saying that? Yeah, I mean, with that argument, you can also say KD carried Steph and the Warriors. I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, sure, you can make that argument, right? But it's like, and then people are also going to argue that LeBron carried Wade on the Heat, which is complete BS, right? So, in my opinion, unless you're on a trash team and you are the only real scorer, like you can you can make the argument that 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 Devin Booker carries the Suns, right? But in reality, he does have a supporting cast, just like. If you, let's say AD is the lead person on the Lakers right now, right? His supporting cast is phenomenal. So I don't really think anyone is leading anyone. It's a team sport at the end of the day. The mentality is always going to be different in the locker room. You have LeBron, who's a vet, who has literally done everything in the NBA as far as create spaces on teams for players. And, like, you know, he's been he's been there firsthand. He's been more than just, just a, a player on the court. You know, he's been involved in the front office, everything like that. So where his leadership skills is going to bring more value than his playing, in my opinion. LeBron as a leader is even better leader than a, than a player in the locker room. That comes down to cause his uh, like his immense IQ for the game. Yes. His natural instincts for the game are just better than other players because he's just been around. He's been yes. around at the best level for 20 years now since high school. Since high school, yeah. Just he's, he's, been, he's been in the league. He's seen everything. He's done everything. So to say that Anthony Davis is carrying LeBron is complete BS in my opinion. I kind of agree with that. I mean, it's very like when you said Dwayne Wade and LeBron, it's like LeBron put up better numbers those four years, but it was Wade's leadership. It was one A and one B, except for LeBron's almost unanimous MVP year. That was his team because, I mean, the man almost won a unanimous MVP. You can't deny that. But right. even, even the first year where they're together, you look at that 2010-11 finals against the Mavs. And Dwayne Wade is actually the guy that's carrying that team. He's leading wanna, every huddle. He's in lead. everyone's ear. And he's leading yeah. the stats, not just that. He's leading right. the, the points. He's leading assists, steals, probably field goal percentage. Yeah. But I'm going to say I like that point that you make because, I mean, you could say it's like people that use that mindset of that Davis is carrying LeBron. It's like, was Chris Middleton really carrying Giannis against the Heat? Because Giannis was out. Yeah. I and mean, And when he wasn't out... He was playing fairly well, but Bam Adebayo and the rest of the Heat were doing a really good job of containing him. Chris Middleton was having the better series, but does that mean like necessarily say that like he's carrying Giannis or it's Chris Middleton's team? Because I think that's a little ridiculous to say that. I agree with you 100%. People are always going to have their own opinions and their own outlooks on different situations. Just like when we talk about Bubble MVP, how, I, how I'm a Devin Booker fan, and I said, you know, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard deserves it more than Booker, and you have the opposite view of it, you know, because we were looking at it two different ways. So it's like when people say, hey, AD is carrying LeBron. I mean, I haven't seen the stats firsthand. I saw like one Instagram post about it. And like stat wise, yeah, AD is playing statistically better than LeBron James, I believe. Right? It could be wrong. But if you look at it as an overall player, leadership, everything, it's impossible, impossible to knock LeBron's leadership. LeBron's overall impact on the game. Definitely. When he has the ball in his hand, it's more dangerous than Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. And and anyone knows that. You know, you can ask a, a 12-year-old kid, you know, who's a better player, LeBron James or Anthony Davis. They they might not even really know Anthony Davis that well. Of course, I'll know LeBron. You know, he's, he's a face of, uh, he's a Nike athlete. You know, he's it's just the, done so much in basketball. It's LeBron. It's LeBron James. You know, he's the, the hottest, most influential player alongside Kobe and Jordan, right? And it's like anyone who's not even a basketball fan knows the names LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and Michael Jordan. So, I mean, do you think that now, with that aside, with Anthony Davis, that whole Anthony Davis thing aside, we reach on to Nikola Jokic, who is predominantly being put on Anthony Davis. In game three, the Lakers got four rebounds out of their three big men of Dwight, JaVale, and AD. Do you think Nikola Jokic... One, do you think he's the best center in the league? So that that's tough to say that he's the best center in the league, right? Anthony Davis, I believe, is considered a power forward. So 
do you think Nikola Jokic is the best center in the league? I'm, to to start, uh, to start. I mean, with that being said, sure. I mean, why not, right? But also, it's hard to judge because Nikolai Jovic, right? He hasn't like he's just now, you know, proving that he's a great player, right? Here in the in, in the Western Conference Finals, it's not like he's been playing like this for the entire season. And has predominantly made a name for himself, kind of like Giannis did in the regular season coming into the playoffs, right? So, I mean, you can say he's the best. You can you can knock it. Either way, I say you can't really make that statement until you watch next season and see if he carries that on. I say last year, I believe he made All-NBA first team, which was the first time he does that, I'm pretty sure. So I feel like he became onto the scene last year where he became that new passing big man where he's averaging 20 points. Yeah, his playing rebounds, style is, is, is different, and I love it. I say I personally believe he is just because of what he brings to the offensive end, to a team. Yeah. So that being said, do you think Nikola Jokic is going to continue just having this edge over Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee? I don't know, but just like watching him play is, is insane. Like, dude has game. Like, there's no other way of like saying that. Like, he can ball. Like, and the favorite thing I've seen is his, uh, his younger photo floating around on social media. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's great um, to think that him and then they put AD as well, who looks like a high school nerd. Uh, just, just thinking that these two will be playing in a Western Conference Finals game, which is insane. But uh, yeah, dude's insane at basketball. He's just he's sitting there. He's doing things that big men have never done in the NBA before. You know, passing, going up and down, playing both sides, you know, looking extremely dominant on the court. I mean, he's essentially the first point center. Yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't. There's been there's been big men like uh, Sabonis back in the '90s and Mark Gasol in the 2010s, where yeah. even Pau Gasol, where they are, they're all post playmakers, where they're good with the ball in the post. Maybe even Dirk, you can add into that category. But there hasn't been a big man. He's a, and he's if, a big man. Yeah, he's a pure center. Like he's yeah. not Giannis, where he plays power forward sometimes, and he's also just tall. And Giannis is skinny. Yeah, this, this man is big. This is a pure back to post center that has the ability to run front court to back court point guard. It's ridiculous. So I mean, do you think he's enough to put them? Over, or do you need the Jamal Murray that was giving you 50-point games against the Jazz? So you definitely need Jamal Murray. not the Maybe not the 50-point Jamal Murray, but you need Jamal Murray to at least play his role. Um, you know, like I said before, you can't just win with one player. You know, if you look at the Heat, you go, oh, Jimmy Butler. Sure, Jimmy Butler, crunch time, but then look at who's supporting him all throughout the four quarters, right? It's like, just just like with uh, Nikola Jovic, it's, they, they need him really badly. Like, if he goes down, they're screwed. Right. But it's like he also needs to rely on his teammates to get them to the opportunity to, you know, fight there in the fourth quarter and and make it make it uh, come to a game winning shot by AD. Let's say he can he can put up 25 points, 10 rebounds and six, seven assists. But I mean, I feel like you like you made a good point there. You do need Jamal Murray also giving you 20 if you want a chance. If you're trying to win. Yes. They took game three with Jamal Murray putting up 20 and. 20-something points, 12 assists, which was his playoff career high. And then Nikola Jokic is almost putting up a steady triple-double every night. So, I mean, how much more can you ask from these stars before you have to look at the role players that are on the starting lineup and on the bench and go, guys, without you, we don't win. Do you think that Mike Malone and the Nuggets are going to get that and maybe upset game four? Because I feel like the Lakers are a little cocky right now. I feel like the moment, like with Dwight Howard screaming turkey steak or whatever, he was like barbecue chicken on the on the sidelines or on the court side. My bad. Um, I feel like they got this like message in their head that these guys are a joke. They don't belong here. We should wash them. Do you think game like three is going to be like a wake up call at all for these guys? Or do you think that they're going to continue being arrogant and just kind of whatever? We don't care about these guys. We're not worried. Yeah, so personally, you know, I played sports my whole life, and I was always taught no matter how bad the opposing team is, stat-wise or whatever, you never go into a game with the mentality that you're going to beat them. You always go into the game with the mentality that this is going to be a dogfight. That you're the underdog. Right, that you're the underdog and that this is going to be a dogfight and you're going to have to, you know, work to get this win, no matter who it is, right? And like you said, it's like the Lakers, they look relaxed. They look like there's no worry in the world, you know, they're just enjoying Orlando. It is what it is. This is just 
a, a small breeze to the finals. It's like a scrimmage game to them. It's like a scrimmage game, exactly. And it definitely feels that way with no fans, too. But um, I think that's going to bite them, you know? It's, it's definitely... It came down to a buzzer beater. And if you look on paper, why on earth is the Lakers playing so close with the Nuggets, you know? And mm-hmm. then that, that deciding that mix-up factor right there is Nikolaj Jovic's. So if they find a way to to minimize his scoring, then yeah, it can be a breeze. But as of right now, I say the Nuggets come out and surprise um, surprise everybody and take you're, it home. You're saying that the Nuggets are going to stun them? Yeah, not win the series, but they're definitely going to come out this game and, and, and come out on top. All right, but I say, you, you didn't mention LeBron there, which is kind of, I feel like, the focal point in the locker room. After... After a good dominant game one, and a you win game two, but not in the way you want. You have to hit a game winner against a team that you should be getting by fairly easy, and then you lose game three. So it kind of looks like you're on a downward hill. Definitely. When if you're LeBron James as the leader of this team, do you kind of kind go to everybody like, "Yo, it's time to wake up. What's going on?" Or do you still kind of have that like confidence of just keep the energy going, don't change anything, just maybe go back to it and see if it works again? That's a great question. And based off of watching LeBron for many years now, I don't think that he's just going to sit back with a confidence. I think that he will, you know, hold people accountable and say, hey, man, listen, I need at least five points from you off the bench or, you know, I need you to at least get this rebound or box out, you know, down low. And I think that, you know, a lot of people in the league respect LeBron, like, there's not going to be any fight if LeBron tells you to do something better, right? Just like if LeBron came to me and was like, hey, man, you need to do a better job at life, I'd be like, yes, sir. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, so I I, I think LeBron, you know, is, is a destined, destined leader. He was a born leader. Born leader, 100%. And he's definitely going to be sitting there and, and, and taking control of the huddles and, and speaking up in the locker room and holding his players accountable. And it's all great. You can, you can talk and say whatever you want to people, but if the action isn't there, you know, if they don't actually take those words and do something with it, then it doesn't matter at all. So it, so it all, it, it's really all up to the supporting cast. You know, LeBron's playing good, Eddie's playing good. Uh, it's just a matter of the rest of you know, kind of the smaller end players to step up and prove themselves. With with my take on that, it's definitely that LeBron is going to get more than four rebounds out of Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, and Dwight Howard, and that's for sure. I 100% agree. I think that LeBron is, whether this is LeBron on his own and he just carries, or we're going to see this team come out in game four sharp. I definitely think the Lakers are going to come out with something to prove. That leads me to my take on that. And with LeBron James as your leader, you're going to definitely get more than four rebounds out of your big men in game four. Oh, yeah. You have to. That's for sure. Um, He's going to hold those guys accountable. We're going to see probably monster games out of their bench players because that's just the leader LeBron is. It's that Kobe effect, that Jordan effect, that just generational player effect. It makes you want to be better. It makes you want to be better, and they know how to make their teammates better. So that Lakers team game four, I feel like is going to come out not like how they came out in games one, two, nor three. They're going to come out a brand new Lakers team in game four that we haven't seen this series, and they're going to be the sharpest yet. And I feel like we're going to see a triple-double from LeBron. We're going to see a monster game from Anthony Davis. But they're going to come out with, yo, they don't have any hope. Yeah, definitely. And like uh, we're talking, like they seem very, very you know relaxed on the bench. If you think back to the bubble games before the playoffs, Lakers looked horrible. They looked awful. They looked sloppy. Exactly. But then they tightened it up. So do you think it's kind of the same effect that's going on here? Definitely. Okay. And so like the deciding factor for that, you like would you accredit that to LeBron's leadership in the yeah. locker room? If LeBron can rally this team and the players that aren't producing like they should, like maybe Danny Green, Alex Caruso, Contavious Caldwell Pope, JaVale McGee. Maybe even Dwight Howard, you can tie into that. Unless LeBron does a good job of getting them involved, then yeah, that the Nuggets team does have a shot. They but do. It's small. But LeBron as a leader, I don't believe he has let people down yeah. that often. Take LeBron's leadership away. I say the Nuggets would be able to pull the series off. But there is no way in hell that LeBron as a 
as just a single individual will let the Nuggets, you know, take home the series. No. We've seen it way too many times before. LeBron has the, has the ability out. to take over the entire game as a single player. He gets counted out, and then you see something like Game 6 LeBron against the Celtics. Yeah. It's crazy. And I, I personally believe that there's not a single other player in the NBA that's possible of that, you know, that's able to just take over an entire game as one, you know, and carry that into the next game and the next game and the next game. You could argue Steph Curry, but I mean, LeBron's been doing it for decades. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree with you on that. And, you know, Curry is is definitely... Uh, he did essentially revolutionize the game in the last three years. Oh, 100%. Every kid and, and, and their brother and cousin are now a three-point shooter, no matter what playing style they are, no matter how big they are. They're able to shoot threes, which is mind-boggling to me. And now with uh, Nikolai Jovic, I think this is going to be a new wave for big men. Um, If you look at the way he's playing, you're going to see... Bam out of bio too. Yeah, Bam too. You're going to see a lot more very athletic big men, which before, if you looked back previously in the the NBA, most big men weren't extremely athletic, if you know what I mean by that. They were normally just there for their size, their boxing out capabilities, and their putbacks, you know? You're now going to see big men actually be able to knock down free throws, having higher free throw percentages, you know, having a better shot form, being able to knock down a three in the corner if needed, you know, being able to go up and down the court with with handling the ball, which is going to be very weird because we just went through the shooting phase with Curry, um, and now I think it's going to be a big man phase. I think the shooting phase is going to fade out just a little bit. I feel like when you, I'm not going to, I don't think it's going to go back to the nineties where it's going to be big man dominant. I believe it's going to go back or not go back to, it's going to hit this new hybrid wave. It's going to equalize it of positionless basketball. I agree. You're going to have six foot 10 point guards. You're going to have six foot five big men that can rebound just as good as a seven footer. But then you're going to have seven-foot guards that can handle like someone that's 6'3". You're going to have seven-foot shooters. You're going to have short post players. You're going to have short lockdown defenders. I feel like the NBA is heading into this like new wave of your traditional position doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, it's I just, agree with you. What, what are you good at? We'll put you there. And if you look at like Ben Simmons, like he's been working on a three-point shot. That's specifically the one task that he wants to complete is having a spot-on Three-point shot. But I say he played played big man in high school and then comes to the NBA and transitions to be a 6'10 point guard, but then their lineups sometimes include him at power forward. But he's the ball handler. It's crazy, you know, and uh, I think that that's that's credit to players like Steph Curry um, who come in and, and kind of revolutionize the game itself. Um, so I'm very I'm very excited and very curious to see kind of you know where the NBA goes here in the next few seasons. Will we see you know it equalizing out, having you know not like uh, dominant big men teams and dominant shooting teams, or is it going to be where just the team as a whole will be able to have dominant players in each position? I mean, yeah, it. I'm excited to see like how you said to where this is going to go. I definitely think it's going to embrace the hell out of this positionless basketball. Like Nikola Jokic, a seven foot back to post traditional, not very athletic big man. But the moment he has the ball in his hands, he's like a point guard. You have Bam Adebayo who runs the half court set for the heat. Giannis, who technically is a forward playing guard. Luka Doncic, a six, seven point guard. So, I mean, you have all these new guards and even the traditional point guards, D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, 6'5", 6'6". Like, you have these new guys that traditionally, even five years ago, would be told to play a different position. And now it's almost like, what position do you want to play? Yeah. And if you watch like with Carmelo Anthony, like his playing style has even adapted from back how he used to play years ago he's no longer the same player in my opinion he's now well i feel like that i feel like with carmelo though he's adapted to the fact that he's now just a role player i think he's finally grasping that that he's just in the twilight of his career i feel like we're seeing him just kind of become a spot-up shooter and then like a back-to-post guy definitely because i mean the blazers are running him sometimes at power forward yeah with hassan whiteside and um juicev nurkic always dealing with injuries and off the court so i mean even with Melo, someone who 10 years ago was the second best, third best small forward in the league, leading the league in scoring on the Nuggets, it kind of leads to like, we've gone from that to now the Nuggets now with Nikola Jokic, a positionless point guard. And then Jamal Murray, who's a little short, but he's playing shooting guard. And he's just a monster scorer. So, I mean, 
with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, and then you got LeBron and AD, are we seeing a game seven? That's a great question. So I want to say yes, but the part of me that, that is combating the, the yes would be LeBron. That's really the X factor. If LeBron's leadership is there and he's able to fire up that Lakers, they're unstoppable. There's nothing that you can do to stop them or get in their way because he just has that mentality where he will go and tear down whatever he has to tear down to get to the finals. So I, I say yes, but also it's very possible that we don't see a game seven in my opinion. About to say, as great as Nikola Jokic is, and I believe he's the future for NBA big men. 100%. Along with Bam Adebayo, but we're not going to see a game seven, I don't believe. Just how you mentioned, you hit it right on the nail. LeBron James. Yeah. He will not allow that. I believe they'll steal another game. I'm not writing off the Nuggets. I feel like they're definitely going to steal another game. But I think LeBron just has it in his head that we're beatable by these guys. They can take this from us if we just slack off and think, oh, Thanksgiving dinner all day, like Dwight Howard. Like, I mean, I definitely think LeBron's going to come in there with a new mindset for sure. And I guarantee you I can put money on it that LeBron probably tore apart Dwight Howard for making that you know, silly statement from, from the sidelines. It's always good to have that guy, though. Even oh if it, yeah. Even if it's not LeBron, like the Celtics with Marcus Smart, that guy, that tough guy that isn't scared of who you are as an ego. Yeah. But each team if, has one. Even Jimmy Butler on the Heat, he will straight up tell his teammates, "Hey, listen, this was garbage. Do better." Someone, and, they, and they'll listen. Someone to hold their, your team accountable, because if not, it's like nothing's gonna ever change. Yeah, I believe uh, he was quoted uh, saying that. Uh, what what game was it? Was it game one of the Celtics when he when he said to his teammates, "I'm not gonna pass the ball. I'm just gonna go score." Oh, yeah. He yeah. Told, he tells them straight up in the huddle, I'm not going to pass the ball. I'm shooting a shot. And, I mean, they have to respect that as him being their best player. And it worked out well. I mean, I don't think he missed a single shot That's where <laughs> after that. That's where you have to own up to being a leader. If he doesn't show up there and he chokes it and he essentially blows the game, he also has to be the one that sits there and goes, listen, that's on me. But, I mean, luckily and thankfully as a Heat fan, that didn't have to happen. And he was able to just kind of go, that's why I do me. Which was great to hear, but I hope that as every leader in the NBA, including Jimmy Butler, I hope they do know that, you know, if you do fuck up, you do kind of need to own up to that. Definitely. And I think they will. You know, the, the, the leaders on these teams are typically vets and they, they've been around long enough to realize when, you know, they got to hold themselves accountable at some point, too. You're not just going to sit there and rip on everyone else and, and not expect to get any backlash. So I'm very excited to see how these series go. Um, and yeah, I, I say it's going to be Heat and Lakers in the finals. You think Heat Lakers? I do. I believe so as well. I believe Heat in seven, and I believe Lakers in six. But do you think, to ask you one last question, do you think Nikola Jokic is a fitted leader for a team? Do you think he can be the best player on a team that wins a title? Because before you answer that, me personally, I have this gut feeling that tells me no, that I don't essentially see Nikola Jokic winning a finals MVP as the best player on his team. I feel like Nikola Jokic needs at least, with Jamal Murray, I feel like he needs a third option. If they got rid of Jamal Murray, which they don't need to at all, but if Nikola Jokic picked up maybe an older James Harden, then maybe I see him winning a title. But for some reason with him, I guess you could say he's carrying this team. I do believe it's his team. I don't see them winning a chip. I agree with that statement 100%. And that's also because if you look at how basketball is still currently right now. Um, it's you a, need a guard. It's, it's, it's guard dominant right now. So, I mean, maybe in a few years, if that whole revolution does happen where he's changing the playing styles and it becomes positionless, then sure, I can see it. But within the near future... Just like you said, yeah, like you, as of right you now, nailed it. There's no way, you know, you need that 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 uh that leader. You need that veteran player, veteran guard to be more specific, um, veteran score that's going to be out there and be able to carry the team if if needed. I feel like his play style is going to transition the game, but I feel like his play style can't lead you a team. I mean, we're not looking, yet, at least. Yeah, I also think you have to take into consideration that he is fairly young. He is. He's. We're not even at. Like, we're not even witnessing his peak yet. But you can also look back, and he's 
And he's an All-NBA first-team center. So he's one of the better centers in the league, if not the best center in the league, to anybody. In my opinion, he is. But he's going to Game 7 a lot. He's losing a lot of games in these playoffs. You could account that with the Clippers, that the Clippers were on paper the better team. They were the favorites even to sometimes beat the Lakers. So, I mean, them beating them in general was impressive by the Nuggets. That was huge. But they go to Game 7 with the Nuggets, or with the Clippers. They do come back 3-1, but it's the fact that they're down 3-1. And they do the same exact thing with the Jazz. Since it's worked in their favor, we're sitting here saying it's a great thing that they came down 3-1 twice. But that's one game away from being a first-round knockout. Yeah. So I feel like people think that he could maybe lead a team. But if you look into it a little deeper... I don't believe he is suited yet I, to be the best player yet. I agree with that. And just like you mentioned, you know, that 3-1. Why are you in that position? You know, great, you came out on top. That's awesome. But you should never be in that position yeah. to begin with. If he doesn't pull that off, the narrative behind that whole story is completely opposite. Oh, yeah. It's a whole change, you know. It's like going how you, home. It's how you mentioned Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter. It's like, listen, I'm going to take over. If he doesn't take over... That's not a good thing to talk about. Like, not at all. The conversation you have afterwards in that game is completely opposite. That will not be a fun conversation to have with anyone, you know. So, um, you know, looking looking at him as as uh, a leader, in my opinion, if you are going to be a leader, you're going to lead your team to not be in a position where you're three one. That's just me personally saying that. So it's it's great that you know they're getting to game sevens and winning them, but like that game seven shouldn't be needed, you know. But I say he's a great player, and I'm not trying to like. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. But I don't think it's his time yet. To Not be, yet. He's to still be a young one player. The league's forces. Definitely, he's still a young player. He's got a little while to go. If if you look at leaders, in my opinion, you've got um, currently like LeBron and Jimmy Butler. I'll use those two examples. You know, both veteran players. They've been around the block. They 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 fight on multiple teams. They've seen different um, coaches. They've seen different um, playing all, styles. They've all, they've also seen the playoffs multiple times. Yeah. and they've seen the first, second, and. I actually don't believe Jimmy Butler has ever seen the conference finals, but Jimmy Butler has been to the second round multiple times. As Definitely. This is Jokic's first time. I believe, I could be quoted if I'm wrong, his first trip to the conference finals. And he is only 24 years old. Yeah. So it's impressing everybody that he's doing this, but I feel like this is where he's going to get met, that he meets, you know, LeBron James. Just how a young Michael Jordan ran into the Pistons. Like, there's always just that team that's established right now. Which, I mean, that's a good thing, which could lead to, the like, a conversation about the future of the Nuggets, which I think is very bright. You used the word that I like to point out. So you said, are established right now, right? So do you believe the Lakers are established as a team, or LeBron is established as a force in the NBA? I believe with the way that the salary table is for the Lakers— I believe they're set in stone. I don't know how many more roster moves they can make because they have Anthony Davis on a max deal and LeBron James. If LeBron James were to do some something extraordinary on the leadership side of things and take a pay cut, then I can see them adding a star or something. I don't think they need Like a star, he has in the past. But when you have two max players and then you have a lot of high-quality role players... I don't believe realistically that they're going to change a whole lot. They'd have to make some sort of trade. They'd have to let somebody walk. So I don't think that Lakers roster is going to be changing. But the Nuggets roster, I can see some changes to that team. Oh, yeah, I agree. You got guys like Paul Millsap who are really old, and I believe they're getting overpaid. You have their role players that are going to leave because they're, they are technically contenders right now. But I don't believe... At the beginning of the season, they were a top two team in the West. You could have easily put both LA teams over them. And you could have argued Houston with the acquisition of Westbrook. You could have argued Utah maybe over them, which I mean, Utah took them to seven due to just terrible play in the fourth quarter by Donovan Mitchell in game seven. So I mean, like, I don't know. So what got them to this point? Do you, you put that fully on uh, Jevic? Um... To the Western Conference Finals, I mean, you can't just discredit Jamal Murray's like 35 points per game first round, but 
To kind of answer that question in a short sense, I'll just attack the regular season. And I do think it is a lot accredited to Nikola Jokic. I think he is the best player on that team. He's the leader of that team. If he's not playing well, that team has a very hard time winning. Because that team essentially doesn't really have a true point guard. When you look at that roster, it's Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Miles Plumley, if he's the other big man, or it's Paul Millsap, and then Jeremy Grant. That There's not a point guard in there. And it's, it's Nikola Jokic. Looking at, just like you named off that roster, never in a million years would I think that roster would be playing in a Western Conference Finals in today's NBA. Uh, which which is kind of scary for the future of the Nuggets because you just need a lot of players that they're able to move around and get rid of and, and acquire better players. So it's like, you know, if you're looking forward in the next season, they can really be a top contender to go back to the Western Conference Finals, in my opinion, uh, which is scary at the same time because we're so used to seeing, you know, um, a LeBron dominant team like the Lakers or, you know, seeing James Harden or seeing, you know, those established players. And like we've said before, you know, this could be the, the next wave. And uh, it's, it's exciting to see. It's about time. It's about time. I agree with you. Over, overall, you know, the, the two series that we have going on, the Eastern and the, and the Western Conference Finals, I'm excited to see how they play out. Um, I already mentioned before that I think it's going to be Heat and Lakers in the finals. I say Heat, Heat in seven, Lakers in six. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to make a final prediction yet. But that, that's what I think. But I say I definitely can agree with that. Um. I totally think that the Heat with confidence, I'm not going to say with confidence in the sense that they're going to blow them out, but with confidence, I think we will see the Heat in the finals against the Lakers and Heat in seven once again, Lakers in six, just how you said it. But I'm really excited for this. I'm super excited to see how these games play out and I can't wait game four to potentially tonight. see the Heat in the finals. Heat game four. I'm excited. What's up, guys? This is Tyler. Thank you so much for listening. Follow our basketball page at Through the Bucket, our football page at Resident Review, and our main page, Slice.fl, on Instagram. You can also check out my personal page, Tyler underscore Folds. What's going on? This is Hunter. You can follow me over at Instagram at HDSpell. Yo, it's Adrian. You can follow me at Adrian26Mendez. Yo, it's Joey. You can follow me on Instagram at JoeyBassett2, no spaces. Deuces!